So last week we continued our journey with Moses and walking through the first few chapters of Exodus. And we looked at the call that God placed on Moses to go back to Egypt and to address uh, Pharaoh and the oppression of his people. And And we were reminded as we looked at that that sometimes in order to move forward, we have to address the things in our past. And this week we're going to continue to kind of walk through Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. But as people are turning there, I came across a story recently of of a 66-year-old Baptist grandmother named Jan. And in 2000, she lived in Melbourne, Australia. And, and, you know, as she found herself living there, she started getting random phone calls day and night from, they were very interesting, and, and she found out why. It was because there was a local brothel in her neighborhood, and her phone number was two, was only about two digits off, and so people would call thinking they were calling the brothel, and Jan obviously was a little disturbed by this, and she was ready to change her number. But she said that right as she was about to, she heard God telling her, don't do that. Don't change your number. She heard heard God telling her, just because this is disturbing you doesn't mean it's not something I'm calling you to engage with. You see, she was just going to shift it. She was going to turn away from it, act like it didn't exist, and move on. But God was calling her to do something different, to engage with that thing. And when something disturbs us, God may be calling us to lean into the tension and to be a light in the darkness. I mean, all of us want to live a life where we make a difference for someone or something or just in general. But for many of us, we have settled for comfortable. As we have seen through Moses, we can't settle for comfortable if we desire change. Sometimes God's greatest calling can lead us to some of the darkest places. But do not compromise your call for convenience or comfort. Or as Frederick Beekner is quoted as saying, your, your vocation, and I would echo your calling in life, is where the greatest, your greatest joy meets the world's deepest need. It's where you find joy in meeting the needs of the world. However, for many of us, because we are fearful, we never move towards the greatest needs because we just do not address them. And as we follow Moses, we look at the creation of his call, where where Moses saw the oppression of his people, and it it called him to 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 have something to well up within him, because God shows us need and brokenness, and it disturbs us when we see needs and brokenness. And and this disturbance led Moses to return to set them free. It led Moses to do something about it, because if we are to pursue the calling, disturbance does not make us stay there. It calls us to action. And through the freeing of his people, Joy is created. And through the living out our calling, we find joy. So what disturbs you? Where where does the brokenness in the world create a brokenness within you? 
As Moses has been called by God to go and free his people, we find this exchange that happens in Exodus beginning in verse verse 1 of chapter 4 where Moses answers and he says, Look, they may not even believe me or listen to me, but, but say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord says to Moses, What's in your hand? And Moses responds, it's the staff. And he says, and God says to him, throw it on the ground. So he does. And when he threw it on the ground, it became a snake. And, and Moses drew back from it. And then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand, seize it by the tail. And so he did. And when he grasped it, it became a staff in his hand. So that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God gives him this sign. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And so he does. And then when he pulls his hand out, it it was diseased. It was white as snow. It was diseased with leprosy. And then God says, put your hand back into your cloak. And he does. And he pulls it back out again. And it's healed. He says, if they will not believe you or heed the first sign, you may, you may, they may believe the second sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to you, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So Moses, hearing the call of God, begins to wrestle with the what-ifs of his life. Anybody else ever have that problem? Where, where God calls you to do something, or you, you hear a calling being placed on your life, and you're, and you're kind of uncomfortable about that, and you go, but what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if they don't listen? What if? What if? What if? What if? And I just love God's response to him, because God just looks at Moses and goes, hey, what you got there? What you got there? It's very reminiscent of, um, for me, of one of my favorite stories is the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15, where Jesus Christ is there with his disciples and, and he realizes it's getting late and the people are hungry. And the disciples, he says, We need to feed these people. And the disciples said, With what? And Jesus says, What you got? And, and they feed them and with seven loaves and a few small fish, and afterwards there are seven baskets of leftovers. And it's that reminder that we hear, what we got there will be enough if we are fulfilling the calling that God has placed on our lives. That God will not call us to something that we cannot do. We may need to, to tr- we have to trust and obey in God, but do we start with what we got there? With what we have within us and with us. Uh, I was told the other day that I need to Paul Harvey my stories. And so as we look back at Jan, here is the rest of the story. Because Jan decides not to change her number, but to address and engage this brothel. But she doesn't know how. And so she picks up the phone and she calls her friend, Danielle Strickland, who is a, Salva- who is a Salvation Army officer. And just, just hear the wisdom in that. That she knows that there's something that she needs to be doing. Yet she doesn't know what it is. And so what does she do? She doesn't just try to figure it out by herself. She surrounds herself with people 
It's that call to surround yourself with people that will help you to understand your calling and to speak truth into your life. And so Danielle um, is sitting there with Jan. And and Danielle, not really knowing what to do, either asked the question, well, what would you do if you had a new neighbor? Somebody moved into the neighborhood. And Jan says, well, I'd make them some cupcakes. I'd I'd bake some cupcakes and I'd take them over to them. I'd introduce them. I'd say, this is who I am and I'm here if you need me. And, And... Danielle looks at her and goes, well, what if we just did that? And after a minute, James says, oh, okay, all right. So they bake cupcakes and take them to the brothel. And they go to the brothel and they knock on the door and the man answers, the the manager or whatever the term would be, he answers the door and obviously Jan and Danielle do not look like their typical clientele. And so he asks, what do you need? What are you doing here? And I'm sure that Jan had created this wonderful phrase and this wonderful just kind of thing that she wanted to say when the man asked this question. But in kind of a fearful nature, she says that she just said, well, I got my brought cupcakes. And the man says, oh. And strangely enough, the man lets her in with her cupcakes because who doesn't love cupcakes? And he he takes a cupcake and he allows her to share the cupcakes with the girls. And as she begins to share the cupcakes with the ladies of the brothel, she she meets them. She engages in relationship with them. She finds herself uh, building those relationships, understanding who they are, um, and growing in relationship with them, leading many of them from that place, but just engaging in relationship and letting them them know that they're cared for and then you fast forward eight years later and she has formed an entire network of brothel visitation teams salvos cupcake teams they visit all over australia they visit brothels and they go bringing cupcakes But as they go and bring cupcakes and they engage in relationships with these people, they also go bringing relationship and hope and connection and freedom to these people that for many society has deemed as the outcast and pushed away. You see, Jan didn't wait for something to be done. She did something. She lived out what we hear in the scriptures where Jesus Christ goes, you know, if you want to live out the gospel, love God and love everybody else. Because this is how differences are made. But, but somehow in our own world, in our own society, uh, we have made this idea of loving neighbor so much harder and more difficult than it was ever intended to be. It's just caring for people and caring about people people that are different than us, people that don't agree with us. It's caring about them, not because they, because they, got, they have it all right, but caring about them because God calls us to and because we don't have it all right either. Moses and Jan ultimately get asked the same question in their stories. Moses gets asked by God. Jan gets asked by the man at the door. The question is, what you got there? And it's this reminder that what we hear when God is speaking with Moses and what we hear with with the fact that Jan brought cupcakes is that what you have is enough. It's enough. 
to make a difference, to make a change, to make a shift. Because if God is calling you, God will equip you to do the work that God is calling you to. If we stay obedient to the call. And if you doubt this, if you've ever heard someone say, or you've ever said, I can't do this, I'm only one person, you got the wrong guy or girl, then I challenge you to look back at the story of the 66-year-old Baptist grandma named Jan, who is fighting prostitution for a whole country. And so if you find yourself going, I don't know what to do, I don't even know where to start, start with cupcakes. Start with what you got there, with what you have. Because this question of what you got there is a question that calls calls Jan and it calls Moses and it should call us to refocus. You see, we've so often, the reason that we are afraid to go and do is because we find ourselves living in a mentality of scarcity. And so what would it look like if we refocused from scarcity to surplus, from fear to faith? From what I can't do to what I can do. From our low supply to the higher source that is calling. We need to refocus. Because what I've noticed about life, whether it be fear or faith, focus fuels both. What you focus on matters. When you focus on fear, it begins to grow. When you focus on the things which you're putting your faith and hope in, your faith and hope begin to grow. Focus fuels fear and faith. So so while we can't control what will happen, we, we can control what we will focus on. You, you can't control what you can't control, so focus on what you can. Focus on the higher source, even in the face of the lowly supply. Uh, I'm reminded that uh, we were getting ready for a youth event, and one of the youth walked in when, a few years ago whenever I was doing youth ministry, and they said, is this going to be one of those boring events that I'm not going to like? And I said, well, if you're coming into it expecting to not have fun, expecting to not enjoy it, that's exactly what you're going to get. You have, to re, you have to shift the way in which we think, the way in which we view things, the way in what we choose to focus on. Faith is not denying our current reality or that there is a low supply, but it is focusing on a reality that is greater than the one that we are facing. It's deciding to focus on the heavenly reality and to focus on God even when our earthly reality doesn't match up. It's, as I've said many times before, it's not allowing our circumstances to dictate our faith in who God is and how we perceive God, but allowing who God is and how we in the relationship that we have with God to dictate how we address everything else in our world. Because if God can create a universe from nothing, then He can do great things with the little bit that you've got there. Maybe, maybe your struggle, though, isn't what you've got. Maybe you're like, I've got plenty. But it's who you are. You start to question, how can God use me? And I'm, I'm reminded of the phrase that I heard growing up all the time. God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. You see, see, God isn't always out there looking for the obvious person. And for many of us, we're going, I'm not, I'm not the person. But God isn't always out there looking for the obvious person, but he is looking for the person who makes himself available to God. So let's stop trying to present as this or that and present ourselves before God as available. God, here I am. Take my life. Do whatever it is that you desire. I I read this quote from Rabbi Zuzia. Um, 
And he said that when in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? But they will ask me, why were you not Zusha? You see, we so often go, well, I'm not like Moses. I'm not like them. I'm not like that. And no, you're not because you were created to be you. So stop trying to be somebody else. That job is taken. Be you. Do what you've been called to do. Because this story is a story that calls us to be content with who you are and what you have. I believe almost all of our stresses in life are rooted in those two struggles. Who we are, not feeling like we have, have enough or are good enough. But God says, you have and you are enough. You see, our job isn't to be someone else. Our job isn't to find out someone else's call. That job is already taken. But our job is to be who God calls us to be. And where do we start? We start with what you got there. Amen. Amen.